The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to welcome veterans and active service members who are tuning in from remote locations over the Internet today, and also listeners who are joining us on new affiliates in New York, Wyoming, New Hampshire, Washington, Idaho, and from coast to coast, including the beautiful islands of Hawaii. In just a moment, one of the most successful business turnaround experts and chairman of CCMP Capital, Mr. Greg Brenneman, will be joining us. He has a remarkable new book out titled Right Away and All at Once, which if you've read Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, well, then you'll want to run out and grab this book, especially if your business or career or even your life feels like it's at a standstill. And who doesn't feel that way these days? But before Mr. Brenneman joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. Gregory Brenneman earned his undergraduate degree from Washburn University and his MBA from Harvard Business School. He is the chairman of CCMP Capital, and prior to this post, served as CEO of Quiznos Sandwich Chain. Brenneman's list of clients reads like a who's who. He has been an active board member on the Home Depot board, uh, ADP, Baker Hughes, J. Crew, Baylor College of Medicine, and others. And he was the man behind the successful turnarounds of Burger King, Continental Airlines, and Price Waterhouse Cooper Consulting. In the case of Price Waterhouse, Brenneman was restructuring the business when IBM made a bid to buy the company in 2002 for $3.5 billion, nearly double the anticipated IPO value of Pricewaterhouse. Brenneman worked as a vice president at Bain & Company with former presidential candidate Mitt Romney, and he's also the founder of Turnworks, a company focused on helping companies turn bad fortune into new opportunities. Recently, Mr. Brenneman released a book titled Right Away and All at Once, and where he makes he takes the same advice and tactics the biggest corporations in the world pay him millions for and makes them available to all of us. What's more, he shows how those same business tactics apply to success in our personal lives as well. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report the most successful business turnaround expert in our country, Mr. Greg Brenneman. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Brenneman. Rebecca, it's a, it's a pleasure to join you, and that was a more than kind introduction, so I really appreciate that. And my mother's going to be out of a job, I think. <laughs> Well, we don't want to put your mom out of a job. <laughs> that would not be good. Uh, first, let me congratulate you on your new book and its success. Uh, the title, the, actually the subtitle was very interesting to me. The title of the book is Right Away and All at Once, but the subtitle is Five Steps to Transform Your Business and Transform Your Life. So maybe we can start there. Walk us through the five steps you outline in your book. I'm happy to do that, Rebecca. What what I found was, uh, and really the reason I wrote the book, is that people had been asking me for some period of time to write a book on how to turn around a company. And uh, and that, that can include uh, taking a company that was very broken and, uh, and fixing it, or taking something that uh, was performing just okay. I call that satisfactorily underperforming companies. And uh, companies that are just going along quarter to quarter and how to make them better. And I held off on doing that because I found that the, you know, I found that uh, it felt like, and David Brooks refers to this in his book, Road to Character, he talks about the difference between uh, resume virtues and eulogy virtues. And uh, 
uh, writing a book kind of felt like a resume virtue to me and wasn't that interesting until I discovered these five steps could be used to turn around your life. So I'll, uh, I'll walk through the business steps and then the corollary life steps for you. And it's pretty simple. Um, the five steps to transform your business. Step one is have a plan and track your progress. And that's simply in any business, there are five to seven things that really matter. Uh, I call those value drivers. And there are another 3000 things that people try and do uh, that really don't matter. And figuring out what those things that really matter are getting them on one sheet of paper and, and getting your whole company to execute around those things and tracking the progress on that is, uh, is step one. Step two is build a fortress balance sheet. And uh, I talk in the book a little bit about my time with Jamie Dimon, the chairman and CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, back in the middle of the financial crisis. And uh, I spent some time one morning with Jamie in the fall of 08, and, uh, and uh, you know he was going through probably the worst time you could ever go through as a business person. But I said, Jamie, how are you surviving this time? How are you in a position where you could buy Bear Stearns or WAMU and you're not one of the ones going out of business? And he said, Greg, let me take you through my balance sheet. And he walked through every aspect of what he had done to protect uh, J.P. Morgan. Uh, and, uh, and that proved to be very uh, fortuitous for our country and certainly for J.P. Morgan. But uh, basically, there are two things to building a fortress balance sheet. One is having plenty of cash, making sure you have enough cash so you can execute your plan. And the other one is making sure your debt maturities, when your debt comes due, uh, gives you plenty of time. And so that, that's a simple answer. Uh, step three is think money in, not money out. You can't, you can't save your way to prosperity. I had a business partner one time that had a saying that uh, was, you can make a pizza so cheap nobody wants to eat it. And, uh, and it's really true. If you can't think about how to grow your company and how to grow revenue, uh, and growing revenue does all kinds of great things for society as well. It creates promotion opportunities. It creates jobs. But in addition to that, it actually creates successful companies. You get paid four times as much for a dollar of profit that comes from revenue growth as you do from a dollar of profit that comes from cost reduction. So step one, have a plan, track your progress. Step two, build a fortress balance sheet. Step three, think money in, not money out. Step four is take that one-page plan you've written and actually ask yourself the question, what kind of management team do I have to execute that plan? And without even looking at your existing management team, just draw an organization chart uh, of what the ideal organization would look like to execute your plan. Then look at your current organization chart and say, where are my gaps? And I've never found a company that didn't have some significant gaps uh, when they did that. So step four is build a team, clean house if necessary. You know, at Continental Airlines when we were there, we actually uh, wrote our one-page plan. We called it the Go Forward Plan because there were no rearview mirrors on, a, on an airplane for a reason. That runway behind you didn't do you any good. And when we went to actually take that plan and lay it against our team, we found out that our team was very divisive for executing that plan. And so we, uh, we went through and we, uh, with, with all, all dignity and respect, terminated 50 of 61 officers and brought in 20 people who could really get it done. And that allowed the company to turn. So that's step four, build a team. And then step five is let the inmates run the asylum. So once you have a great plan, you've got a balance sheet that gives you plenty of cash and plenty of time to execute it. You've thought about how to grow your revenue and you've put in place the management team to execute the plan. You really need to create the right culture that allows you to empower your coworkers, your associates, uh, all the employees to actually know what the plan is and to execute on it. And if you do those five steps and use that as kind of an annual checkup for your company, you'll find you tend to perform very, very well. Well, those are such succinctly said. I, I, I'm, I'm, my pen's running out of ink. I'm writing them down as fast as you say them. <laughs> and I have to say that in your book, you outline them uh, with equal clarity. One of the things I admire about your writing is this is a very fast read. And although some of the things sound obvious, uh, they're not so obvious that we're actually doing them, <laughs> which is what I appreciated yeah, about funny. the book so simple, much. Rebecca, simple and easy are two different things. I think you can look at this and say, this is pretty simple, but it's not very easy, right? It's, uh, there's a lot. It's of, not uh, easy to do. Nope, nope. Uh, and, and so as I was reading it, I said, well, these are pretty obvious. And then I had to ask myself, 
If they're so obvious, why don't I do them? (laughs) Now, we have to take our first break, but stay right where you are. We'll be right back with more from Greg Brenneman. You're listening to The Costa Report. If you're wondering what to do with all that data you're creating, do I have an offer for you? Tableau is drag-and-drop software that people of any skill level can use to analyze and turn data into something actionable. That's right. I said actionable. And isn't that what all that data is for? With Tableau, you can connect to any data in virtually any format and visualize it on the fly. Databases, spreadsheets, even big data sources are instantly combined into usable charts, graphs, reports, and dashboards. People can analyze data and -and drag-and-drop at 10 times the speed of a traditional business intelligence system. But the most important impressive thing about Tableau is that anyone can use it. And just to prove the point, you can get a free 14-day trial from Tableau just by mentioning you heard this ad. But do it now, because this offer won't last. For your free 14-day trial, visit Tableau at T-A-B-L-E-A-U dot com slash Costa. That's Tableau.com slash Costa. Tableau Software. What's your data trying to tell you? Imagine hearing the words, your child has cancer. The emotional impact is staggering. They tell you that treatment may last for years. And you travel the long road between hospital and home. Your financial worries multiply. And you want to stay strong for everyone, especially your child. But nobody understands. Your friends and family don't get it. Where do you turn? For the last 18 years, Jacob's Heart has provided essential support to families enduring the unimaginable. We have been there from the time of diagnosis all the way through the course of treatment, regardless of the outcome. With no government funding and no reimbursement for services, Jacob's Heart relies 100% on support from our community to make miracles happen for families. Please support Jacob's Heart by going to our website, jacobsheart.org. Or call us at 831-724-9100. Make a difference in the life of a child. Thank you. Hi, Registered Pharmacist Ben Fuchs here. I've been studying healthy bodies for 35 years. And what I've got to tell you may shock and surprise you, but if you listen up, it may change your life. One of the things that I noticed as a young pharmacist working in psychiatric hospitals was the fact that many of my patients were also dealing with movement disorders. As it turns out, these kinds of disturbing effects, which are difficult to treat and oftentimes incurable, are a common adverse reaction associated with regular dosing of antipsychotic medications. Doctors call this condition tardive dyskinesia, which basically means a delay in how the brain and nervous system process information associated with involuntary and out-of-control movements, especially involving the face, jaw, and tongue. One of the strategies doctors used to prevent tardive dyskinesia was dosing with antihistamines, which affect nerve signals that precede TK. As it turns out, these kinds of drugs, which are readily available over the counter and many folks use to alleviate the symptoms of colds and allergies, can have powerful effects on the brain. This was highlighted in a study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, pointing to regular dosing with antihistamine drugs as a possible cause of dementias. If you're using antihistamines to counteract their side effects, or for any other reason, you may want to consider taking advantage of some non-toxic alternatives. Bioflavonoids found in all fruits and vegetables and herbs, and vitamin C have antihistamine properties, and probiotics also have histamine-lowering effects that can be helpful too and correcting digestive problems, eliminating problem foods, and just eating less can help reduce the jerks and jolts of TK, help calm the body down, and is always a good idea no matter what your health challenge may be. Pharmacist Ben here urging you to go to kscohealth.com to order Beyond Tangy Tangerine, the Healthy Start Pack, and other nutritional supplements that I personally use and recommend. You can purchase these premium quality products at wholesale prices online at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. I'm the pharmacist that believes that staying healthy and strong is not only about medicine, it's about giving your body the raw materials it needs to do its work. Go to kscohealth.com. Make sure you check out the cool videos, too, at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. Welcome 
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today has been the man behind the turnaround of Burger King, Continental Airlines, Price Waterhouse Cooper Consulting, Mr. Greg Brenneman. And before the break, we were talking about the five steps that can transform a business, which are clearly described in Brenneman's new book, Right Away and All at Once. Now, you make the point that many of the skills which make us successful in business are transferable to our personal lives. Can you speak to how you came to that conclusion for a moment? Yeah, Rebecca, it's, uh, it's interesting. About when I, I'm uh, in my mid-50s now, when I was in my mid-40s, I had just finished a number of these turnarounds, and I said, you know what, uh, uh, I had you know what you'd consider to be all the uh, success you could possibly have, but I said, something's missing. And I said, I wonder if, uh, if uh, the five steps I, that you know, we use or I use to turn businesses from to turn them around or to take businesses that are satisfactorily underperforming and help them reach their full potential. I wonder if I could actually apply those five steps to me. So I actually did. I wrote a plan for my life and I, uh, I, I applied the five steps to me. And along the way, I, I learned a few really interesting things that other people have found successful too. And, uh, and that's why I, I ultimately decided to, uh, to write the, uh, the book. And so I could, uh, integrate business and life and, uh, just to tell you a couple of the things I learned, uh, there's a, in poker, uh, you know, we have red chips, white chips, and blue chips. And the white chips are worth a buck, the red chips worth 10 bucks, and the blue chips worth 25 bucks. And so I said, I wonder if I took my life and I actually segmented it and said, what are my blue chips? What are the things that are most important to me uh, in my life? And everybody's got a different set of things that are important to them. I said, I wonder if I wrote those down and put them on a piece of paper, how much of my time I'm actually spending on those things versus the day-to-day activities that, get, you know, are, that, that sort of uh, creep into our lives and, and you know, create the busyness around us. And I found that I was actually not spending nearly enough time on my you know, blue chips, what I consider the most important things. And I, you know, I came up to those blue chips using what I call the five Fs. Uh, faith, family, friends, fitness, and finance. And I just took each of those categories and said, you know, kind of what are the most important things to me? And I found that when I wrote those down, um, I could actually run back through the five steps in a personal way and actually uh, make a meaningful uh, impact on how I spent my time and a much more meaningful impact on my life. I'd say the second thing I learned as part of that uh, and we can walk through the life five steps if you like. But the second thing I learned as part of that is um, I, I looked up and spent a bunch of time on work-life balance. Because when I spoke and, and talked to people, they'd always ask, how do you balance your work and your life? And, you know, my wife of 32 years, Rhonda, would tell you not very well. She says we've been married 32 years and it's been the best two years of her life. But I found that work-life balance it isn't what makes us happy or what makes us successful. I found that it's really work-life integration. How do we integrate our life and, uh, and make it whole? And uh, one of the things I discovered as I was actually working through that is the, the, the word integrity implies some things about honesty and goodness and decency. But if you really go to the Latin root, the word integris means soundness, wholeness, wholeness or entire. And so if you kind of think about your life as not being a work life and a personal life and, a, and try and balance it, because then one thing, you know, you know, you're always giving up something and feeling guilty about something else. When you're at work, you feel guilty about not being with family or friends and vice versa. If you think about how to integrate the life, that made a massive difference for me. So, well, again, uh, you're talking yeah, about having a plan, right? You're saying make a plan, right. and uh, by allocating these chips, you have some way to measure whether you're on track with that plan. Now, if you carry the plan and, and carry it with you, you can actually kind of measure it. So if I was to run through the five steps again for your personal life, you know, step one, remember, was have a plan and track your progress. I call step one in the personal side, stay focused with some simple life rules, which is get your blue chips on a piece of paper. I do it in the categories of faith, family, friends, fitness, and finance on one page. Because I found that we can actually learn four or five categories, and we can learn four or five things under those categories, but you can't remember 25 things to focus on. So I organize it that way. And then once you kind of have that on a sheet of paper, carry it with you every day and measure your progress of are you spending time on that 
Or when you build your to-do list for the day, do you find the easy things to cross off are those white chips that don't really matter, you know, which is what I found in my own life and I think what a lot of us find in our life. But that was, that and was likewise, you have four other steps, which you also apply to our personal lives. Build a fortress balance sheet. Uh, you can't save your way to prosperity. Uh, be sure you're surrounded by a supportive, competent team. Uh, and then, you know, let others carry some of the weight. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right, Rebecca. And when I flip that to the personal side, you know, um, uh, step one, obviously, is stay focused with some simple life rules. Step two is build a fortress balance sheet. I choose step two. I, I call step two on the personal side, choose freedom. And basically, that's making sure you manage your finances so that money becomes your faithful servant and not your relentless master. And that uh, you, you can determine your financial finish line, work towards it. Um, uh, just a funny story. When I sent my kids to college, um, I sent them with a contract. And the contract started as, uh, whereas, and I'll use my oldest son, whereas Andrew realizes his formal, parents' formal financial obligations to him are over. And whereas he'd like to, you know, have his uh, college funded, you know, which is, a, you know, a, an expense to his parents. Uh, and whereas his parents would be happy to help with that to get him off to a good start in life, therefore. And I wrote down a number of behaviors that we wanted, you know, him to exhibit while he was in college. You know, kind of normal behaviors any parent would want to see their, their kid exhibit, exhibit to make sure they got off to a, a good start. And when I handed him this contract, uh, Rebecca, he, uh, he gave it back to me and he said, uh, Dad, this is not fair. And I said, you know, he's 18. I said, Andrew, why, why don't you think this is fair? And he said, well, we didn't negotiate this. And I said, well, Andrew, I'm going to teach you the first lesson in negotiation. I said, when you were gone and out with your buddies, I went up to your room and I looked around your room and I couldn't find anything I wanted. And, and, uh, and he looked at me kind of funny and I said, Andrew, the first lesson in negotiation is leverage. I said, I have something you want, which is a lot of money to go to college. And the only thing you really have are some of these very simple behavior things that I'd like to see you exhibit while you're there. You can either sign the contract and I'll help you, or you can uh, pay for college yourself. And uh, and needless to say, those contracts became <laughs> became famous in our family. So uh, <laughs> step two, choose freedom. And and many many teenagers have ruined the day that uh, that I've told their parents about the college contract. <laughs> There've been a few written. Uh, I, I'm step, sure they did. <laughs> yeah, and it, step three, personally, Rebecca, is think money out, not money in. You know, one of the things I discovered as I talked to a lot of successful people is that generosity is the only path to happiness and the only cure to materialism. So in business, it's think about how to generate revenue and create jobs. In, in your personal life, it's really to think about how do you help people that are those less fortunate than you are. And then uh, just to finish, step four is build a life team, those people that give you energy. We all have people in our lives that consume a lot of energy where we don't add a lot of value to them and them, uh, and they don't add a lot of value to us. Mm-hmm. And it's about thoughtfully being able to actually spend more time and invest more in people that really mentor us. And I talk a lot in my book about that. Now, we're going to have to take another commercial break, but stay where you are. When we come back, we'll uh, find out how Step 5 applies to our personal lives and uh, how to translate more business success to life success. You're listening to The Costa Report. Now, if you've been listening to the Costa Report, you know that I'm a big fan of wines by Caraccioli Cellars. And today I'm here with Scott Caraccioli, who's one of the brains behind the most memorable wines money can buy. So I have a question for you. How did your family get into the wine business? Um, You know, 2006, my father, his brother and uncle were really playing with the idea of planting a vineyard. And planting a vineyard turned into making a bottle, turned into making sparkling wine when um, Michelle came into the picture so it was really kind of an organic situation us being in agriculture in the Salinas Valley and then the extension of that went to grapes and here we are today. To find out more about Caraccioli Wines visit us at www.caracciolicellars.com or stop by our tasting room in downtown Carmel, California. That's Caraccioli Cellars, C-A-R-A-C-C-I-O-L-I, Cellars, where one bottle is never enough. Come and join the fun at the Redwood Mountain Fair, June 4th and 5th, at the beautiful Roaring Camp in Felton. 
there will be 22 bands on two stages, including March 4th, Oregon, and Hot Buttered Rum. Don't miss the delicious local food, beer, and wine, along with all the arts and crafts and a kid's zone. For discount tickets and more information, go online to redwoodmountainfair.com. Is your computer running real slow like this? Or are you getting the blue screen of death? Do you have to do a restart several times a session? Tired of viruses, spyware, malware, and slow, worthless tech support? Face it, it's too late to download another free PC fix-it program, thinking it'll be restored to out-of-box purity. Oh, no, 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 no. You need the fast, friendly computer pros at User-Friendly Computing. Just drop it off at their office at 505 River Street across from the Gateway Plaza or give them a call at 831-423-9653 and they'll come to you. Mention KSCO and get a free $50 diagnostic. PC or Mac, desktop or laptop, they can do it all at user-friendly computing. Call 831-423-9653. Are things getting a little messy around the office? At Coast Paper and Supply, we'll meet all your janitorial needs. Mops, dusters, disinfectants? We got them. Can't get rid of that smell in the break room? Try our deodorizer. Carpet stains? We have a cure for that, too. While you're at it, pick up the essentials. Garbage cans and liners, sponges and brooms. Is your company going green? Coast Paper and Supply is offering earth-friendly cleaning and food service alternatives. Our ever-evolving stock includes compostable bowls, plates, cups, and cutlery. Not to mention eco-friendly cleaners and biodegradable trash can liners, all at the lowest possible price. So come visit Coast Paper and Supply at 151 Josephine Street, or look us up at coastpapersupplyinc.com. You can also call us at 831-423-3350. That's 831-423-3350. Hi, Jacoby here, host of Raising the Standards, right here on KFCO Saturdays, 5 p.m. Tune in and join me, Rachel, my co-host, our buddy Rick, and some of the most interesting folks in the world as we chat and play the best music on the planet. Now remember, if at some point during the program you're not offended, well, you're just not listening. Raising the Standards, Saturdays here on KSEO. Don't miss Raising the Standards with Mike Jacoby, Rick, and Rachel. Saturdays from 5 to 6 p.m. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, our guest today is Greg Brenneman, who has just released his book, Right Away and All at Once. And we had to take a hard commercial break, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to finish up with how the fifth step, which transforms businesses, can be applied to a successful personal life. Yeah, Rebecca, the the fifth step, if you remember on the business side, was let the inmates run the asylum, which is really word, uh, you know, uh, a phrase that I used to say, how do you employ, how do you empower, encourage and motivate your coworkers, your associates? You know, how do you build the right culture inside the firm? On the personal side, uh, that step I call invest in family and friends. And it's really the, the investment that you apply back into creating the right culture, you know, in creating those eulogy virtues that David Brooks talks about as opposed to just the resume virtues. And uh, uh, there's some great examples in the book of folks that have done that. Now, I think you'd agree that there are also some profound differences between our behaviors at work and at home. For instance, a, a strong business leader has to be prepared to uh, clean house, as you say, and sometimes fire individuals who are hindering a company's progress. But you don't exactly fire family members or close friends. So uh, does there come a point at which the parallels break down? Yeah, Re- Rebecca, that's a great, it's a great question and a great point. And, and when you talk about, you know, building your team in, in business, it really is the team that can help execute the business. In life, I think you can kind of bifurcate your team into two groups of people. Folks that are family and particularly close family, you need to invest in regardless, right? They're called to do that. We're all called to do that. Uh, almost whatever your personal philosophy is or your religious uh, 
foundation is or your moral foundation, we're called to do that. But we also have a lot of people in our lives, I think all of us do, I know I, know I, I did, where if you really did an assessment of the relationship, uh, the sort of value added for the amount of time spent probably wasn't proportional. And, uh, you know, Winnie the Pooh actually identified this in the, in the, in the writing in the books there when, uh, you know, they had the character Eeyore in there. And, you know, Eeyore was always the guy looking at the ground and shaking his head and always in doubt and, you know, consuming a lot of sort of joy and energy, uh, you know, uh, uh, and, and pulling it out was an energy drain as opposed to somebody who put energy in. With our family members, we don't have a choice with that. But with our business, you know, with our friends and our associates and our personal life, business uh, or otherwise, uh, uh, we do have a choice uh, to some degree as to how much time we spend. And then what kinds of people do we look to to actually be part of that close group of friends we have or, or you know, sort of those folks that help mentor us that really do give us energy and give us vitality and push us on to to do greater things that we might act, actually think are possible for ourselves. So I think it, you know, it, it does, it does actually work. And what I suggest in the book is to think of it like concentric circles. So who are those people we deal with that are in our personal lives on a daily basis, on a weekly basis? Who are those we deal with monthly? And then who are those friends that, or fan, you know, or folks that we see, you know, or even distant family members we see maybe once a year. And if somebody's consuming a lot of our time uh, and pulling out a lot of our energy without really giving us energy and without allowing us to execute on our life plan, uh, perhaps you don't, you know, uh, disown them or, or get, get them out of your life completely, but you can simply move them from an inner circle where you're spending a lot of time with them to a circle that's a little bit more distant, where you create just a little bit more of a gap in the time, you know, between you at the time that you see them probably better for them too, certainly better for you. Well, let's go back to the business side. What about uh, the fact that you might be working for someone like that? I spent most of my professional career working for very harsh and difficult tyrants in business. And yet these same ruthless leaders, they built billion-dollar companies by ruling with an iron fist. So what do you say to people who believe you you need to take a uh, certain no take-no-prisoners attitude to climb to the top? Yeah, I, I think actually more and more, Rebecca, it's, uh, it's being proven that the companies that are really successful and the companies that do really well over a long period of time end up having uh, folks that uh, want to lead from behind and have more of a servant leader orientation. I'll give you just a great example of that. Frank Blake yeah, just retired uh, about a year ago as the CEO of Home Depot and was one of the most successful CEOs in the country. The stock price of Home Depot went from $18 to about $105 during the time Frank was uh, was CEO. He would actually take every Sunday, I'd call him in the office, and he'd be in the office on Sunday, and I'd say, what are you doing, Frank? And he'd be writing notes to associates, the Home Depot associates, the employees in the stores, and to, uh, and to others, and he would write 200 handwritten notes a week, thanking people for what they did, and, uh, and really bringing them along. Everybody wanted to work with Frank. I mean, he just set a, a corporate culture and a tone that, uh, that allowed people to exceed well beyond what they thought was possible. And I think as we look for short periods of time, certainly in turnaround, that command and control structure, uh, and, uh, and, you know, caring very little about what other people think or how to build a culture may work. But over any long period of time, uh, I think we all actually desire to work for and to be involved with people that, uh, that uh, uh, you know, value us for more than just, uh, as more than just a unit of production. Now, you talk about the servant leader. Tell us a little bit about that for folks that are not familiar with what does it mean to lead from behind? What is a servant leader? In my mind, a servant leader is someone who does actually create the plan and help with the, the management team, create the, the one-page plan to turn around the company. But once they've done that, once the plan is created, once the uh, balance sheet is solid, once the sort of plans are in place to grow revenue, uh, and, then, and then also once the management team is, is actually there, they're folks that actually look to set a culture 
where uh, the uh, every employee, every coworker, every associate in that company actually knows what their role is as, and is empowered to act, to, uh, you know, act on their role. It, at Continental Airlines, for example, we, when we were running it, we called it a captain's airline, which meant that the captain could actually decide, not somebody in headquarters, when the plane was going to leave the gate. So when he had the passengers corralled and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, he basically was ready to go, the, the gate agent that boarded the plane, the door was ready to close, uh, he didn't, you know, we took away the approvals he needed and, and gave him the authority to make those determinations on the spot. And it, it really is empowering those, your coworkers, to make those decisions that actually takes a good company and makes it great or takes a terrible company and allows it to turn around. Along those lines, John Scully wrote a book called Moonshot. And one of the points that he made, which I thought was a great way to tell if you're really letting the inmates run the asylum or not, was he said to ask yourself, uh, how high in the organization do you need to go to get a yes? You know, do, do you have to go to the vice president to get it to start a new project or to to uh, authorize something? And then he said, and how low in the organization uh, is a person permitted to say no? And when you ask that question it, to large corporations, it's interesting that in order to initiate anything, you have to go to a very high level in most companies. And yet the lowest level employee is allowed to say no to just about anything. <laughs> No, it's it's actually Rebecca. It's a, it's an awesome point, and uh, one of the first things we did when we got to Continental, I I looked and and uh, went out to the airport. I was talking to the uh, to the folks at the uh, counter, and uh, I noticed uh, you know customers were very irate, and you know there there were all these rules that these guys were operating with when they when they talked to the customer. They weren't really empowered to do anything solve any problem right and so you know, people were just angry and so i said well how do you decide what to do and they handed me this rule book that was like 18 inches thick it reminded you of some federal regulation <laughs> or something and yeah. and uh and that's part of the problem with our government by the way but but and, and nobody could possibly know all the rules in there but every time something went wrong somebody had wrote a thou shalt not right so everything yeah. was no like you said at the very all the way down the organization. So we actually went to the top of the, uh, got a bunch of uh, gate agents. We went to the top of the parking garage, got a 55-gallon drum and some uh, gasoline, and actually took that rule book and threw it in there and lit it on fire. When we come back, we'll hear the rest of the story of torching the rule book. <laughs> You're listening to the Costa Report. Every day our world gets more complicated. Not only is new information coming at us faster than we can manage, new regulations, technology, and the effects of globalization have made it much more difficult to succeed. That's why I wrote The Watchman's Rattle, a book that, for the first time, explains how complexity makes it hard to separate facts from fiction and eventually causes us to make important decisions based on unproven beliefs. And not just us, our leaders also fall prey to this phenomena. But here's the good news. Once you know the symptoms to watch for, you can safeguard against them. So please, go to RebeccaCosta.com. That's RebeccaCosta.com. And order your copy of The Watchman's Rattle. It only takes a few minutes and the shipping is free. That's RebeccaCosta.com. Do it now. You'll be glad you did. Big data is being generated by everything around us all the time. Every digital process and social media exchange produce it. Systems, sensors, and mobile devices transmit it. Big data is arriving from multiple sources with ever-increasing velocity, volume, and variety. It's becoming the world's newest resource for competitive advantage, allowing decision-making to move from the elite few to the empowered many. The escalating demand for insights requires a fundamentally new approach to architecture, tools, and practices. To extract meaningful value from big data, you need optimal processing power, analytics capabilities, and skills. Find out how IBM Big Data and Analytics can transform your business. Visit www.ibm.com slash bigdata today. That's www.ibm.com slash big data.
Guys, if you've been using or wanting to try Viagra but are worried about the costs, we have great news. Now you can finally get real results at huge discounts with our Healthy Men alternative to the little blue pill. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get results for a fraction of the price? Call today and get 40 pills for only $99. Others cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us if you want real results at the lowest prices. Never pay $15 a pill for Viagra when you can get real results for less than $3 per pill. Call 800-601-8915 today and save over $500. You can have those breathtaking, toe-curling moments again and again. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Call right now and we'll rush you your supply delivered discreetly to your door. Just call 800-601-8915. That's 800-601-8915. Again, 800-601-8915. Cash flows and money moves. The Money Moves Show is dedicated to delivering tips and tools to help you earn more, save more, and protect your hard-earned assets. Host Pamela Fugit Hetrick interacts with her guests and callers every Thursday night from 7 to 8 p.m. Recent topics have included what is going on locally with health insurance, tips to maximize your Social Security income, how do you build an emergency fund for your family, Medicare 101 tips, how do you choose and pay for home health care, and many other topics. So tune in, take notes, call and get answers to your financial questions from Pamela Fugit-Hedrick on Money Moves, Thursdays at 7 p.m. That's Money Moves, Thursdays, 7 p.m. on KSCO, AM 1080 Santa Cruz and KOMY 1340 Watsonville and 104.1 on your FM dial. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and our guest today is the author of Right Away and All at Once, Greg Brenneman. Before we went to break, you were telling the story of burning a rule book, which was actually preventing gate agents from having the authority to give excellent customer service. Did you want to finish that point? Yeah, happy happy to do that, Rebecca. Yeah, we, we and so what we did is after we burned the 18-inch thick uh, uh, Thou Shalt Not rule book, we actually sat down and said, could we write two or three pages of just guidelines, right, to, uh, uh, so that you could actually serve the customer, so that you could give them upgrades when something had happened, so that you could uh, solve a problem if they uh, had a uh, misconnection on a flight. You could put them on another flight. If it was an extraordinary situation, you could waive the fees. And uh, we did that. And uh, then we just created a computer system that would kick out an exceptions report so if we saw some gate agent that was giving a, you know, so many upgrades that it couldn't possibly account for, you know, it was well past the normal mean of what would be, you know, normally expected, we could actually sit down and do an investigation into that and have a conversation with them about, hey, what's happening here? You know, have you thought about this? Could you do it a little differently? I'll tell you, we had to have very few of those conversations. It worked incredibly smoothly. So we we got rid of all the all the rules essentially, and allow and just freed up the uh, the employees to be able to serve the customer. And it's just so refreshing. And the the you know we became the the top airline for uh, for five years in a row as measured by JD Power, all the way from being the worst airline just by a few simple things like that, by empowering the uh, the uh, uh, employees or uh, letting the inmates run the asylum, as I call it. Now, switching gears for just a moment, in your book, you speak about the importance of building a lasting moral legacy and the connection between happiness and working toward that legacy. Can you tell us how you came to that realization? Well, absolutely, Rebecca. I I have, I grew up uh, Mennonite, so I still have Amish relatives. Interestingly enough, I know Malcolm Gladwell, who you've talked to before, also grew up Mennonite. Uh, and uh, and uh, so I came from a really, uh, inc- you know, incredibly uh, thoughtful place in terms of what really matters in life. And I had some great mentors uh, in my life that uh, that imported imported that moral code to me. So to me, faith was always really important, uh, and of course, center part of my life. And that's where the sort of like faith is the first of the five Fs. But when we get to the end of our lives, I think, and, um, and many of us have been to funerals of friends or family members, 
it isn't the next business meeting or the next accomplishment or the next turnaround that uh, that people talk about. It's, you know, what kind of impact did you have on their life? How did you help them? How did you mentor them? You know, how did you make a difference uh, in folks' lives? And so as I wrote my own plan, uh, I found it actually increasingly filled up with those kinds of uh, moral legacy issues, uh, eulogy virtues, if you want to call them that, and less and less of the um, of the business accomplishments. But you find that if you focus on, you know, what's truly important to help mentor people, help make them better, to lead from behind, if you will, to focus on reflective glory of seeing the people that are uh, that you're responsible for actually succeed, uh, that that really reflects on you too, and 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 that your business tends to improve. So. I found it pretty self-enforcing, ironically, but uh, but uh, I think we all, when we get to the end of our lives, we'd, we'd rather have uh, eulogy virtues than resume virtues. Now, you speak about doing the work you were put on the earth to do, but it isn't always easy to know what that work is. <laughs> I think it's safe to say most people are working to pay rent and eat and stay alive, so it's hard to think about what the work is that we were put here to do. Um, I can as honestly say in my case, I didn't figure it out till I was 55 years old. So <laughs> it, it came late to me. So what do you, what do you suggest if a person doesn't know what they should be doing? Well, I, I think um, there's a, there's a great story uh, about, and the true story about a man that actually had heard uh, uh, about mother Teresa's work in India. And he, uh, and he went over there, and so he sold everything he had. He actually moved over and started working uh, with Mother Teresa in Calcutta. And uh, he'd been there about a month and hadn't seen Mother Teresa. And finally she walks in the room, and so uh, he was scrubbing the floor, and he uh, looks up at her, and uh, I guess she's like she was like 4 foot 11 inches high, but could just command the presence of a room. And, uh, and uh, he looks up at her, and he says, Mother Teresa, I want to tell you my story. He explains about selling his possessions and coming over to help her with the poor. And she said, son, I've been watching you for the last month. And, uh, and son, uh, uh, you're absolutely terrible at this work. <laughs> in, in Calcutta. She said, uh, she said son, Calcutta is my calling. Uh, you need to find your own Calcutta. And so I think for all of us, there is a, there is a calling. As business people, we are called to create jobs. When you create a job for someone and, and empower someone with employment, their whole life changes. We've all seen people that are out of work and how quickly self-esteem goes down. And so I think broadly as business people, we have our, uh, we have our calling. We, uh, and that's the primary calling. And then beyond that, um, it might not be revealed to you until you're 45, 55, or a little older in life, but you can sort of certainly keep working at, uh, at what you're doing. I had a great uncle who I describe in the book who actually invented the auger that takes grain from the combine to the wheat truck. Before that, you had to shovel it out. Um, and then he actually invented, uh, uh, he, he was, as a kid, he had to uh, shovel the hay onto the back of wagons just loosely in the fields. And so he invented the hay baler, and then he invented those big round bales that you see on the road and the big square bales, and he turned that into a Fortune 500 company. And then his goal towards the end of his life was to give all his money away, which he managed to do by the age of 97. But if you ask him, my Uncle Lyle, what his mission in life was, he said, Greg, my mission in life was actually to mechanize uh, things for farmers, to make farming easier. But he said, my real goal in life was to give back, take that knowledge that I developed doing that and give that money back to the poor. And, uh, and he found some really creative ways to do that. Uh, but, uh, but so I think for all of us, actually, by taking our blue chips and writing down what's important to us, I think, you know, some of what we were really meant to do becomes revealed to us uh, over time. But uh, sometimes you have to be patient and, and, uh, and, and just slug away at it until, it until it is revealed to you. Well, I only have one final comment to make, and that is I could have used this book about 20 years ago. <laughs> so, so I'm going to urge everyone to don't... your work, and I really enjoy uh, I really enjoy. Uh, 
the social biology that uh, that you've been talking about. I, I learned a lot. Well, thank you, and uh, the a compliment right back at you. But uh, you know, I, I, for people that are listening today, do not wait twenty years. Uh, I could have really used this book, and I think I would have been on a better course, uh, maybe a little bit earlier in my life. Uh, lastly, let me ask you where listeners can go today to get more information about your book right away and all at once. You know, Rebecca, uh, they can just Google it online if they'd like or go to Amazon, and, uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's on Amazon as well. Well, that's all the time that we have left today. But before we say goodbye, I want to thank you for a wonderfully inspiring and prescriptive book and for taking time to be with us today. Thank you, Mr. Brenneman. Thank, thank you very much, Rick. I really enjoyed it. If your station is leaving us after this hour and you have a question or a comment to make about our interview with Greg Brenneman, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We are all over the Internet, and we'd love to hear from you. And if you missed the full interview with Greg Brenneman or any of our other guests, you can download previous episodes of the Costa Report from our website, Apple iTunes, Podbean, and our YouTube channel. And while you're at the website, take a moment to check out our latest blog in addition in addition to new videos and guest interviews, you can find our weekly blog on RebeccaCosta.com. It's easy to remember, myname.com, and also now on the Huffington Post. So be sure to take a minute from your day to get caught up on the latest news and the latest views on the Huffington Post and RebeccaCosta.com. The blog is, I think the new blog goes up every Monday, as I recall. So uh, so take a moment, mark it on your calendars, and uh, stop by and see our new blog we have a surprise guest next week who has and i do not know why but he has asked us not to announce his appearance until tomorrow so please check with your local affiliate station or you can visit our website rebeccacosta.com for our guest and uh, i hope that you'll join us again next week right here on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics I want to take one special moment to thank Greg Brenneman for making time from his busy book tour to be with us today. And uh, now, if you'll just stay tuned, we'll come back with another hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.